So no Bill. That sucks. Bill didn't show up. Was looking forward to having him on. And maybe he'll show up later down the road. Bill didn't show up. Was looking forward to having him. And shut that off. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to SEO This Week, episode 110. Sounds fancy. Sounds like we've been around forever, but we clearly have not. (laughs) That's all right. We were supposed to have Bill Hartzer on. He's the uh, Moz uh, ambassador in the United States, and he was going to talk about expired domains and stuff. Didn't show. Uh, probably got busy or maybe even daylight savings time screwed with him. Uh, but that's okay. I'll show you some stuff that I know. I don't want to take away too much of his thunder, and we'll have him back on another show. I think it's really valuable, especially if you're looking at creating expired domain PBNs or using expireds or dropping domains um, for uh, link building. So that'll be um, in a future episode. Uh, I also looking talking to Dan about getting his getting him on for Edge SEO. He actually made a tool that integrates and connects to Cloudflare workers. Uh, in the meantime, I have another article. Well, it's really a webinar presentation or slash article that Dan did uh, on another site that I think will uh, work really well. Just kind of give you insights, uh, get you writing questions down and firing off that kind of stuff. With that, I'd like to welcome my all-time co-host there, Ted Gabitis. Hey, everyone. I've got a a little bit of... uh results to share because if you remember we did a test on asking for people to subscribe and what we found is that uh, google was claiming that 80 percent of our uh, viewers uh, were not subscribers and that's like a huge trend and when we made the heartfelt plea what we saw on our channels was about a five to ten percent boost uh, in those subscriptions. So it went from like 1% being normal behavior to all of a sudden getting, you know, 5 to 10%, which is huge. That's a 5 to 10x return just by making your plea for subscriptions heartfelt. And it also validates that that 80% is probably in the ballpark of being correct. The fact that we could dive that deep into it in a single episode. So that brings me to today's show and today's heartfelt claim. Uh, YouTube enables features based on how many uh, subscribers we have, and we want Clint to have those features. So please, please, please subscribe and hit the notification bell and help us achieve those features so that we can take this channel to the next level. So please subscribe. And we're going to go over one of those features. I just found it the other day. Now, it's new to me. Does it not necessarily mean that it's new? Let me see what's going on here. Come on, Trencher. Hello. 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 Ah! All right, it's going to mess with me. It's not going to let me do screen share. Ted, can you do screen share? We are high-speed technical people here. Here we go. Uh, if you open up uh, Digital Ear, 
Facebook.com forward slash SEO this week. I don't know what's going on. F you. All right, there you go. So just go down and scroll to the bottom there. And uh, 110 right there. I'll make this work. Technical difficulties be damned. So we're going to go down through this article list. Uh, we'll just shoot down the list. You don't have to open the pages if you don't want to. If you want to, probably, it might be easier. Um, there's my annoying pop-up, Alania Patel. <laughs> so what I am going to do, since I have this list now in front of me, is I'll just run down those. I'm going to be looking at the pages. Unfortunately, this is going to cut our show short, but that's okay. i give you some time to kind of adapt and overcome with me. Uh, first one is the SERPWU page. It's a 2019 analysis for SEO. If you guys don't know what SERPWU is, basically what it can do is it's kind of like a really super powerful rank tracker, for the lack of a better term. Uh, it'll go in, you give it a term, and it'll pull down the top 10, or actually it's top 20 pages that are ranking, and you can see the SERP trends, and you can see things bouncing around, and Google changing things, switching one for two, two to four, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and there's a lot of data in there. Uh, and with this article that Jason wrote, is just taking some of that data and looking at and seeing why uh, X, these pages are ranking. And in this case, they just did some higher education uh, pages and, and pulled all that stuff in. You can see they looked at no follow backlinks and they looked at, let's see what else did they look at. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, looking at the keyword level, no follow backlinks, uh, targeted keywords in the first 100 tags, lead gen forms, etc. And there's a lot of information that you can pull out of this post and apply to general backlinking, i.e., anything else that you want to. Uh, so if you don't have SERPWU now, just be be aware that it is expensive. Like I'm only paying $19 a month now, and I think that's like up to $249 yeah, for 50 keywords. I've got 13,000 keywords, and I have, I'm only paying $19 a month. Uh, that's because I was a, a beta tester. But if you have the extra cash and you want, you don't have a lot of words, just pay the $49.95 and duplicate this this page that they have here duplicate that with the data that you can pull out of serp for your niche uh, and you find some really interesting information and you can couple that with like a tool like cora or pop and, and help boost what you're doing I, I would like to say that this is one of the coolest looking studies i've seen in a long long time i haven't dove in, into this data at all i haven't check their results, I haven't looked at their claims, but the fact that they're presenting their data in this way is so cool and so refreshing. Uh, you know, kudos to SERPWU, I wanna dive into this article. Yeah, Jason does a really good job. And his partner is CC Carter, some of you guys may know who that is. Um, but they, yeah, they do great on this content. They don't put out a lot of content, but when they do, it's actually pretty decent, so. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy this. And then go through and click through their blog, too, and you'll find a bunch of other stuff that might be interesting. This is an older post. It didn't come out this week, but it came out like at the tail of last week. So I wanted to make sure that it got in there so you guys saw it. Um, 
let's see what if you go to that list there i'll tell you some really good ones to read too uh if you want to we got time uh let's see the free local search results checker is a good tool we already talked about that uh, the in the local SEO guide from Serpu, that's also a good one. The online reputation management, that's okay. Um, you can use the tools in Serpu to monitor online rep management, and, that's, and uh, that's one of the power points of having it. Let's see what else. And that audit one's actually pretty good. The rest of them, like I said, all of them are good, but those are the ones that I picked out. Uh, the core one there, also, that's a good one. Um, so there's plenty of good content to talk about here. All right. Next article is Cloudflare workers. Yep. Let's go to that one. So we talked about this and is Dan Taylor. Again, I'm going to get him on the show so you can talk to everyone about it, but it's using uh, Cloudflare workers to implement technical SEO issues. Primarily if you're in a, situation where you can't do anything to a site because it's some crazy retarded SMS or CMS uh, or it's on like a, a place where you can't access servers um, or they won't let you in the back end. Um, the downside is you got to get them to switch their name server so you can take advantage of Cloudflare. But beyond that, it's actually pretty cool. This is really technical post. Um, and some of you tech folks might have a better opportunity to this versus a newbie. Uh, I'm kind of like right in the middle, so I play with this a little bit, but it, I, if you're going to learn it and you want to play and, and learn how to use the process, then what I would recommend doing is get a test site and throw it up on Cloudflare and play with it that way. Um, we're going to have him come on the show. He's going to talk about uh, his agency, talk about Edge SEO and the tool that he created uh, in order to get this all talking to each other. So it kind of simplifies this this madness. Uh, and the, the tool is if you scroll all the way to the bottom of the post, right on top of the comments, right before that, you'll see it. It's called Sloth. Uh, up right there in that last paragraph, Sloth. Yep. That's the free tool. And you connect to that, you connect to your Cloudflare workers, and then it'll go ahead and, you know, It'll do all the JavaScript for you. You don't have to learn coding. It's going to make it a little bit easier. Again, that's free. So I think it's a really good value to the SEO community that Dan provided, and I want to make sure that you guys are taking advantage of it when and where you can. Because I know, you know, right now, I think we got five clients on the list where this would be really helpful. You know, right now we're using Tag Manager, but maybe the cloud for workers are better. Um, so that's a, a good option. Let's see. Next article is the how to find high value. Where you got a community post? We can do that one. We'll do those two. The, yeah. So I was looking at YouTube and we were talking about features that you can turn on and off. And these are community posts. Think Google posts, but for YouTube. Uh, they don't show them all the time. So basically you sign in the YouTube, click home, and then there's this community post section that pops up over time. Right there, and you see the, the requirements to actually use it. Uh, so that's one of the features that we're going after. Um, and basically what it is is it you do the posts, and it will show up on whoever subscribed to you on their their home page uh, when, they're, when they're just scrolling around and messing through. It pops up sometimes and doesn't, and I think I get it like one out of every 10 times I'll see that community post section, but it's a good way to increase engagement. And I think this is going to be valuable uh, 
if they they leverage it right or if it's leveraged right to actually one increase subscribers and two uh, maybe even increase the power of your channel so you can rank a little bit easier uh, and maybe perhaps ranking your videos as well so we're going to see I'm, I'm really looking forward to testing that uh, if i have to buy some subscribers for some test channels maybe i'll do that to see if we can turn on that community post but we'll see how that process works um, as you know, they changed the way they're turning stuff on. So sometimes you have to have views and then subscribers or combination there of, of both. Uh, in particular, with monetization, you have to have subscriber count and the view count. Again, so, people, again, do not make Clint buy garbage subscribers. You don't <laughs> want to do that. We all know that's a horrible idea. All you got to do is click that subscribe button to help Clint out. It costs you nothing, literally. Literally nothing. Uh, and then uh, the next post, you don't have to open this up. There's a post right underneath that on the uh, digitally, the interact with audiences. That's basically, it's just the goo. It's YouTube's. That's a link. Do it when you're, when you're logged in. Uh, and it'll take you to a step-by-step -step lesson on how to turn those posts on and use them. Uh, it's different from what you're actually seeing right there. When you're logged in, it opens the Creator Academy. Uh, and then it will uh, fire off. Let's see. Yeah, interact with your audience. That one, yeah. And Ted's logged in, so you should be able to see it. There you go. And I just kind of walk you through creating that post. Uh, and it's pretty cool. Again, it's just another feature. Why not take advantage of it? And I think uh, you can leverage it pretty well. Keep that that conversation going with your channel when even when you're not posting. Uh, it's like here for a once a week like we're doing, for example. Let's see. What is next? Google My Business Offers. This one's actually a change to the GMBs. Uh, you have the Google Post. You have events, offers, products, etc. What they did was they moved the offer up. Obviously, you know that Google does a lot of CTR testing, and they figure that the offer, they're going to change the placements of it and see where you can leverage it more. Uh, and now they're going to move that to that Google post. So you have the name, address, website, et cetera. And then right underneath it will be the offer to show. So sort of, yeah, exactly like that image right there. Uh, so if you're not taking advantage of offers, make sure you do that. Downside of offers is they only last seven days, but the upside is you can post as many as you want. Uh, and you can also use that links, those links right there to build links to your website or build links to your business site uh, and rank that as well, stacking those up. So it's a good opportunity right there. I'm not saying to spam it because we don't want to fry it, but you can get some good traffic uh, out of that from, in particular, from mobile. Let's see, and that's it for that one. Uh, the high value competitor keywords, Robbie Richards. Yep. Uh, competition searching for keywords using competition is actually uh, one of the staple things that you should be doing. You should do your keyword research based off your market and your keyword research based off what your competition is doing and find the best targets. What I like about this post is he actually gets really detailed on how to do it. Uh, and if you, as you scroll around some more, it's going to pop up a, uh, a free course that he has for SEMrush uh, because he's leveraging SEMrush to, to check this out. 
Uh, he's offering a course up at the top where you've seen that that uh, spreadsheet flicking around. Yeah, there's a course right there called the SEO Playbook. I don't, I, I haven't bought that yet. I'll, I'll get it and see if it's worthwhile for you guys. Um, I've been told that it's a lot of basic stuff, but there's some cool spreadsheets and stuff in there as well. So I'll, I'll get it and see uh, what's what. Uh, but the the basis here is just look at how he's using SEMrush uh, to analyze the competition, analyze the keywords, and help you pick your targets a little bit easier. I, it's a, this is kind of a work smarter, not harder thing here, and you're letting your competition essentially do all the research, assuming you have smart competition uh, into your market and save you a little bit of time, especially if you don't don't know the market. Uh, in particular, which happens a lot if you're running an agency and, and taking anybody like we do. We just take anybody and then we learn the market afterwards. So, Ted, you got any, uh, obviously you oh. haven't reviewed this, but do you have any tips on well, um, this, editor research? Yeah, this type of thing is really cool. I mean, this is what happens when you have somebody that really dives into a tool set and learns how to use it and learns all the ins and outs of it and figures out some best practices for their business. And so, yeah, I love articles like these because they kind of short circuit that learning process. Yeah. I, uh, and if you have, like, if you're paying for tools, uh, when they're, when they make posts like this, in my view, it helps you leverage that tool a lot better. Um, maybe you just, you know, IE SEM rush, you have it and you're using it for one thing. You never even thought about it to use it for another. Uh, that's, this is a good opportunity to, to find that. And I think that's it. The last one is the SEO spring training. And it's not really an article. Just wanted to talk about it. Because I'll be talking at it. <laughs> this is a conference. It's April 27th and 28th, two days, uh, up in Tempe, about two hours from where I live. And we're going to have, I think it's 10, 10 speakers, 10 or 12, uh, six each day uh, at a hotel at the Hilton. On the Friday before, we're actually going to a ball game together, and then there's mixers, et cetera. So um, it's a good it's a good event. Ted, I don't know if you're invited. I know Kim or Kyle is going. He's going to be speaking. I'll be speaking. Uh, there's a list of speakers down there a little bit more. Marie. No, I, I wasn't invited. Wasn't invited. <laughs> you know this blurry guy here? I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looks like a good lineup. Yeah. Jordan's coming. Well, he, you know, he ruined it, but I guess everyone else is cool. <laughs> Yeah, Mike Pierce, Brad Mayberry, he's good. I have never met Monique, so that would be fun. Marty, I never met. Simon, I know, uh, and Alex, I know from the internet. So it is going to be, uh, I think it's a good lineup. Uh, if you guys can, can make it, make sure you come. Not being recorded, uh, so what happens there kind of stays there, which is good. Uh, so hopefully more cool stuff will get shared. I know I'm refining my presentations to make that a little bit better. Terry Samuel is running it, and I believe Jordan Pierce is helping him out too. So Jordan's in the uh, chat. He can correct me if I'm wrong. But those two partnered up and created this just to have, you know, something new. It's not in Vegas, thank God. And you just go refreshing. It's honestly not that far from my house, so I'm looking forward to going 
and, and relax as well as meet some people. So, Ted, you going to any other conferences coming up? Uh, still trying to work that out. Uh, haven't been invited to many this year, so I guess I upset a lot of people last year. <laughs> <laughs> I think what it really is is you, you know you talk like a nerd at all of your presentations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's sort of kind of over the top, but everyone's like, "What the hell did you say?" <laughs> <laughs> it's all good though. Yeah, I can't be at every show. That would be lame. <laughs> You can go ahead and stop screen sharing. We're all done with that. Like I said, I was going to go over the expired domain stuff just kind of broadly since Bill didn't make it, but since I can't share my screen, uh, we won't mess with that. It's a good opportunity to, if you guys have some random questions and stuff, we can get those answered to you. Uh, there's one for you, Ted, is when you're talking about keywords placement, do you mean in the body or in the heading? Um, I need to know the context of that question and I don't know it offhand so could they ask that in a different way yeah yeah that's for you kind of rephrase that question a bit how difficult is to press the like button that's a good question it's almost like a like a teleprompter well apparently it's <laughs> nearly impossible Almost never happens. Like trying to measure a neutrino, they, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, Simon White. How about a Cora conference? Um, well, I'm thinking about starting a uh, Cora Skype group that's free for anybody that wants to just, you know, do community support or ask questions or talk about SEO in general. So I was uh, thinking about doing that. So if you like that idea, let me know. Slack is better. <laughs> 5.0, that's on the way. I heard you have a lot of UI stuff done. You're getting ready to put some new factors in there. Yeah, yeah. Cora 5 is in active development, and all the UI changes, all the fancy new UI is code complete. Um, so what I'm doing now is I'm going in and enhancing the reports. And then once that's done, then I go in and I have to add in a ton of new factors. And when I say a ton, I'm talking about a large number of new factors. Um, and then after that's done, I have to go back and modify the Cora tools so that they can support two different formats of reports. Then once that's done, then I can launch Corify. <laughs> So still looking uh, somewhere between four and eight weeks out, most likely. That's not horrible. <laughs> Plenty of time to hype it up. Uh, Roxbury asked a question. If you already use no silos, no pages, just posts for everything with no categories, can you still make silos by adding categories and attaching your posts without changing the URLs? Yes, you can actually do that. Uh, just change and make sure your permalinks, permalinks don't insert the categories into the URL slugs, and that then your URLs will change. Then set your categories up uh, and assign those posts to those particular categories. And if you're really slick, you redirect your category page so it never shows at all, uh, and it goes to your money page. So, for example, your category is SEO, and you have a whole bunch of posts about SEO. 
uh, and you have an SEO page to convert customers, that's where in that URL slug is there. So the categories are there, but no one ever finds that those category pages. Um, that's a method taught by Kyle Roof. Oh, man, he showed me that probably a year and a half ago. I've been using it ever since. It's great. But proceed with caution whenever you change your URLs. If you have no traffic to lose, then go for it. No problem. Yeah. Uh, but if your business relies on your existing traffic, I would be very apprehensive about altering the URLs. Yeah. Uh, and it's also a good opportunity to find zombie pages. That's a reference I've seen this week. Uh, pages that have no traffic, there's not getting any value, they're not ranking. And just kill them if you're not gonna if you don't want to promote them and you don't really care about them anymore just delete them uh, and save yourself some trouble there too let's see is using the canonical tag an effective negative seo technique and what's the way the best way to defend yourself uh yes it is no i won't teach you how to do it and there is no way to defend yourself if it's done right um the best way to catch it is assuming that it's done sloppily is to keep watching backlink tools like Majestics and Ahrefs or even Search Console uh, and see if you can catch the uh, canonicals. Uh, those show up in those tools, uh, but you got you know, to know what you're looking for. Uh, and again, if you, if, if you know how to do it and you know how to do it right, uh, you never know it's being done to you until you, your site disappears from the search engine. So I'm not going to tell how to do it because people run the to Google and tell them or ask them to fix it. And I like using it. So <laughs> it's a good uh, reputation management tool. Let's put it that way. Uh, let's see. Ted, how different is Ahrefs versus Dom T Detailer in Cora? Is there a benefit of using that for better data or is it still the same? Uh, well, Ahrefs, Dom Detailer, SEMrush, and outside of Cora, Moz and Majestic. Uh, these are all, you know, backlink off-page data platforms for the large part. They have some on-page stuff, too, uh, but they're most known for their off-page databases. Uh, Google uh, claims to be aware of between uh, one and a half and 200 trillion URLs. Uh, all of these websites combined have a slice of that in the billions. So uh, none of them is authoritative compared to Google. Uh, the question is, do they have enough data to be statistically significant in terms of figuring out why stuff ranks? And I believe that all the big players do. I think they've all shown that their primary ranking uh, uh, scores correlate with rankings for the most part. Sometimes those fluctuate. Um, but uh, where they tend to lose value is when you get very niche, very long tail in your search term, then these databases tend to not have enough data to really tell you what's going on. Um, so when we compare Dom Detailer and Ahrefs, Dom Detailer is an API into an API. So it's sharing Moz and Majestic data very affordably. So if you have no budget and you want that off-page data, Dom Detailer is the most affordable way to get access to some numbers. Um, I think the Ahrefs data is a bit more comprehensive. Uh, so 
I personally use the Ahrefs and the Dom Detailer, uh, but I tend to like the Ahrefs data more. Uh, but you know that opinion changes with time. There's a while about three, four months ago where it's like, hey, Ahrefs, what's going on? Your scores aren't correlating anymore. And you know that's likely not anything they did. That was a change in Google that Google later took away. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it, at the end of the day, I think if you have a high competition keyword that all of these platforms have critical mass to tell you why things rank for off-page reasons. Uh, but when you get very, very long tail or niche, maybe not so much. Yeah. If you, Dom Detail giving you enough information to compare and contrast to say which one is closer. Because I know we did the SEO Fight Club and you showed a leaderboard leaderboard where uh, Ahrefs URL rank was correlating very well. Majestic showed up, but I didn't see anything from Moz. But Moz is new now, so yeah, you know they uh, they need some work, and you know I wouldn't I wouldn't criticize Moz specifically because I don't know how Dom D Taylor goes into their API, and Moz hasn't let me integrate with their API, which is really what I'd need to test it out. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd, I'd say it's inconclusive at the current point. Okay. Let's see, next question. Clint, your stance on Google property stacking. If done right, it's actually really valuable. Uh, SIA has done a test specifically for the Google Docs, for instance, and they are passing link juice. So uh, if you build them right for relevancy, et cetera, you can also stand leverage upon that a little bit more. I think I talked about it last week, uh, SERP space. The guys over at Semantic Mastery, they're the ones that came up with the, uh, the Google stack concept and refined it and did some cool tweaks and etc so you can buy the stack at serp space serp space or you can buy the their program rys reloaded and learn how to do it and then give all that crap to a va because it takes about a day to build a stack if you're doing it the way that they show um but there are some benefits of doing it that way too like inserting uh, schema get popping knowledge graphs with the google slides and knowing exactly which slide triggers all that stuff etc so uh, definitely worth the training. Uh, on top of that, you learn a lot about iframes uh, and how to embed websites and get do follow links from your iframes. So um, definitely a valuable training. Back to the question, Google property stacking does work. If you're just you lazy it out, though, <laughs> be prepared to make a crap ton of them or buy a software that makes a crap ton of them and interlinks them together because uh, otherwise you're not going to see a whole lot of move out of those. Um, so that's why you can you see a lot of people saying that they don't work because you know to make them right takes some time. Uh, there's another guy making a service. I don't know how he's making his stacks yet, and that's Jimmy Kelly. Uh, they're integrating a lot of schema into their stacks, etc. I've not bought one to reverse engineer it, um, but maybe I'll do that to you and check it out and see um, if that's something worth leveraging. Maybe combine because you guys know that's what I do. I buy a lot of courses and I combine techniques and try to get the best out of you know everything. So um, maybe I'll do that. Buy one of his stacks and combine the, the semantic mastery and the Jimmy Kelly stuff together and see where that where that leads us. I think I think that might be the next logical step there. Let's see. Christopher Ramsey is duplicated content still a thing? Also. 
And I also mean on-site duplicate versus content on other websites. Someone said your website on your website is okay. Uh, I have my thoughts, Ted. No, uh, you'll get filtered. And, you know, the primary filter that you run into first is uh, having your search result look too similar to another search result, whether it's on your site or with a different website on the web. So if your title and meta description look the same as another website's title and meta description, even if the content is different, Google is going to favor the higher page rank version and filter out the one that looks duplicate. So you have to first worry about uniqueness in those fields. And then you could potentially trigger a de-indexing behavior if your content looks too similar. And then we really get into tinfoil hat theories on how Google defines uniqueness. Uh, but it does appear to be something you need to watch out for. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, for local, local duplicate is, I think as percentage of duplicate content is really the key. Uh, you can create a template page, and I was actually going over a website today, 630 duplicate pages. The only thing they changed was the city and the state. Uh, and they were all doing relatively well in the SERPs. Uh, and I think that's specific to local, though. You can get away with it more in the local than you could with a national campaign. Yeah, yeah. And my information was for organic web results, not map pack. Or... Oh, yeah. this I'm just talking local, like local organic. Um, we can get away with that more. Um, you know, I'm I'm currently still doing it, and I've done it in, like nationwide and statewide and citywide. So I think, but I can't do it on a national level. Like if I'm going for a national keyword, I can't hit use that same piece of content and kind of modify it for the long tails or anything like that. You know what I mean? So, but it's okay. We're like city state. I have a service page, and I'm offering different city states, et cetera. Let's see. Oh, I lost track. All the questions coming in. Uh, Lewis Houston, if a if I used an expired domain for a PBN, does the domain's history need to be relevant to my money site? If you're using it for a PBN, I would kind of have it like in the same like plumber plumbing that kind of thing, roofing roofing. Maybe contractor. My PBN is about contracting or contractors. Then it can go to roofers and plumbers and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, just kind of niche relevant, um, but it, again, it also depends on the niche of your site. Some sites are more a little bit more, um, well, a little less susceptible to niche relevancy than others uh, that I've seen. Uh, Ted, you have any input on that? I'm not sure how much PBN stuff you're doing. So. Uh, well, I've I've favored a uh, different methodology for the past several years, and that's uh, cultivating microsites instead of PBNs. So yeah. my uh, knowledge is a little in a different area. It's it's really the same thing. Microsites is the old PBNs, <laughs> or is the new? Yeah, is the old PBNs. It's the same same thing. You're just making microsites about a topic. So same concept. Um, yeah, you know they work better, in my opinion, if you have an expired domain that's relevant to the to that to that market, in in some way. If you're doing local and it's relevant to the city versus the niche, that's fine too. Hopefully, that helps answer that. Uh, you can send SEOs back. Actually, I was Ted and Josh talking about Quora and keywords, and Josh mentioned that keywords placement 
matter so they don't get it. I think what he's talking about is having it in the head navigation versus the sidebar versus the footer versus the the main content area, which uh, you know, which is best. Well, what I, what I can tell you with reasonable certainty is that having your keyword in the title, hands down in single variable testing, is like the strongest signal you can put out there. Right. Uh, the second strongest is having your keyword in the document name of the URL. Uh, so that, that usually pegs to number two. And then the third strongest signal is having the keyword in your H1 heading, and typically at the start of your H1 heading. Uh, then after that, there seems to be ranges of things that tend to be roughly equivalent. And you quickly get into equivalence with, you know, how much better is, you know, a keyword in a EM tag versus just a plain keyword mention on the page. And they all start getting roughly equivalent. Um, so those top three I would focus on the most, and then I would probably start looking at other stats like keyword density and match counts and get those balanced as the next uh, uh, piece of order. And then maybe I'd get specific into types of tags. Mm. Uh, okay, let's see. Yeah, vote for your Skype group. Steve Buchanan, relevance always best for PBNs, links, etc. Yep, best if you can. Uh, hi there, guys. I won't say it's necessary though. Like I rank adult sites all day long with the most irrelevant shit you can find. So uh, you can send SEO, Clint. After a basic site audit, how do you go from there to leverage your organic traffic? So I do the basic site audit with Pop uh, and run through that. Especially if you're like trying to scale, that's pop is easier to scale, or at least it was until I got my um, auto core tool. Um, but pop is easier to scale and it's easier to hand off to outsourcers. So I run through that and then I look at Search Console and SEMrush and analytics and see where my quick wins are, where what pages are already getting traffic with and are relatively ranking easily. So Typically, I stop at like 15. Anything above position 15 are ones that I want to get up into the top three. Uh, and to do that, that's when I start firing off with Quora. Uh, I do Quora first, and then after that, I start doing link building. It keeps it as stages, so I'm not working or not wasting money with stuff that I don't have to. Uh, so that's how that goes. Hopefully, that answers that question. Uh, Chris Ramsey has one. Let me give a bit more detail about the duplicate content. Those more local city pages. Yeah, I think this kind of matches what I was saying. City pages you can get away with uh, a lot more uh, with the duplicate stuff. And just keep in mind, duplicate is is relative. Like how much is duplicate? Uh, I think SAIE did a test, and if a page is fifty one percent unique, Google doesn't consider it duplicate anymore. Uh, if you're in the, I think Kyle also did another one where wasn't it like every 11th word or something like that changed, he changed and then it was okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there, there was a leak about, you know, 15, 17 years ago that Google's definition of uniqueness was 13 consecutive words, the same. And so Kyle's test of like 11 or 12 kind of jived with that leak. Okay. Um, but I always say, since we don't know the uh, offset and boundary conditions, if you make every sixth 
word unique, you should be good no matter where Google chooses to start measuring that 13. Yeah. And as for locals, since you're doing, you know, you're probably going to have, you know, best plumbing services in Yuma, Arizona, uh, you know, you're going to change that Yuma, Arizona uh, for each city. Um, that might just be enough uh, for, for Google, just depending on how you write your sentences, et cetera. So like I said, I, local, you've been getting, I've been able to get away with it forever. So and that's coming like back in the surface space days when you're making mass sites, et cetera. Uh, that stuff still works. Google hasn't changed that. And I think it's kind of because they expect it. There's only so much you can say about being a plumber. You know what I mean? And if you're targeting multiple cities, then why would they expect you to make new pages? And I think that's the thought process behind that. Well, I, I think one of the things you probably could do and arguably defend to Google is make tuned landing pages for your AdWords ads. And because typically you need to tune those to get the best quality score that gets you the best position for the least cost per click. So yeah. it's it's the part of doing AdWords. And if you design those in a way to be unique for organic, then it's kind of a cool SEO experiment at the same time. And when Google says, why do you have 300 pages about, you know, plumbing in, in Miami, it's, it's my AdWords landing pages. Yeah. Look at my campaign. <laughs> or the campaign I'm getting ready to start. <laughs> That's a good point, though. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, Derek Booth, he teaches uh, PPC stuff, uh, and that ties right in with his SEO campaigns. He's actually running PPC first. He optimizes for that high-quality score, uh, and then he builds backlinks, and it, that's how he ranks websites. So um, that, ma that's, that makes perfect sense, per honestly. So uh, Let's see. And 2K Design, where do you buy the Jimmy Kelly Google stats? I'd love to see how he does them. He, it's actually part of his mastermind or any of his products. If you're in some of his products, uh, go to jimmycourses.jimmykellydigital.com, I believe is the address. Uh, if you sign up, you might get access to it. Uh, or if you know Russell, you can ask. I'm not sure if they're selling it outside of that, so I don't want to share the link if it's not, you know, not available to you. Just kind of here's a carrot, but you can't have it. Kind of thing. <laughs> um, let's see. And uh, yeah, there you go. All right, I think that's it. That's a good show. Forty-five minutes. Nice relative time period. Uh, we're going to wrap it up with again next week. Hopefully, we get Bill on. If he doesn't show up, I'm going to try to get uh, Dan on. Uh, and if that doesn't work out, I'll try to get Marie on. We talk about on page in that conference some more. And this week in SEO Fight Club, tomorrow, what are we talking about? We are going to go over the research that led up to the Google Time exploit. I know uh, there was talk about having Josh on, but uh, his slides weren't showing SEO research, and we want to show SEO content. So uh, it didn't meet the format so uh josh uh has 14 times the viewers we do so he's more than welcome to to say what he wants to say nobody's silencing him but we don't want to have a you know big drawn out you know debate that isn't even about seo uh, yeah. so so instead we're going to show this cool thing called the google 
time exploit. We're not going to actually show you the source code of the exploit, but we'll mm. give you all the information of what it is and how it works. And maybe, just maybe, you're clever enough to figure it out. <laughs> it's pretty It's pretty complicated. I, I know I haven't figured that out. So. Well, the, the actual exploit, once, once all the dots connect, the actual exploit is a one-liner. One line, of, one line of JavaScript. Yeah. See, told you I was the dumbest one of the crew. <laughs> well, it, it's not about being dumb. It's conceptually quite heavy to, yeah. to figure out that one line. Okay, nice. Uh, also, for SEO this week, I want to bring Jordan on. You know, he's been begging and pleading. He sent me some candy and stuff. And I don't know. If you guys want to see Jordan and hear some more about some Google Maps stuff, uh, let me know and then I'll invite him. And then uh, I also like to, uh, if you guys have any guests that you would like me to bring on, uh, let me know. Uh, I'm more than happy to reach out to them and bring them, make sure you're getting some value out of the show. Again, it's free SEO this week. All it costs you is subscribe and a thumbs up every once in a while. And if you really hate it, go ahead and give us a thumbs down. Uh, we earn every one of those a week, so that's good. Uh, so uh, with that, thank you very much for watching SEO this week, episode 110.